you know, the idea of RevOps to me is taking all of these people processes data, combining it to provide a better customer experience. 100%, Howard, I think that is so spot on. Welcome, everybody, to this week's RevOps podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcock, Chief Strategy Officer of Revenue IO, with Howard Brown, co host, founder, and CEO of All Things Revenue and Revenue Science. And today, our special guest, Baron Steele. Baron is the founder and CEO of Steel Alloy, formerly with companies like Marketo, VMware, Lean Data. You know, you've been Chief Marketing Officer and, and Senior Vice President of several of these, Karen. So we're super excited to have you here today and pick your brain around all things RevOps. So welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. And this is a topic I care a lot about. So can't wait to, to chat more. Yeah, absolutely. And... Yeah, I think that's actually a really fascinating thing to start with right out of the box, actually. Karen, why RevOps? What's the deal? So I I what I would tell you, and I've I've been in B2B software technology companies my my whole career. And as you all know, the investments in data and technology are staggering. And arguably one of the less funded areas of some of these companies is operations. And I think it's it's the glue to to growth for for these companies and you know what what I have found over the years as I've and I've always had marketing ops as a a function that lived in marketing at many of the roles that I had over the years but but operations is so much more than that you know and so what I started to see and then specifically when I got to lean data what we started to see with the customers we were talking to is that operations kind of lives across the entire org. It it lives in sales, you know, there's sales operations, it lives in customer success, there's customer operations, it lives in marketing, um, you know, sometimes there's digital operations. And even when I was at Marketo, you know, I remember Steve Lucas, the, the CEO at the time, you know, and I were chatting and he said, why do we have 25 people in the company with operations? Titles. Like, why don't we consolidate that into one and just have one business operations team, you know, that is held accountable for revenue, for customer success, for marketing, for sales, like all the go to market stuff. And and I think it was a fascinating observation at the time. And I think I think, you know, when I was at Lean Data and we started talking to customers, what we were seeing is those silos were breaking down. You know, marketing ops people were starting to take on sales ops functions. Mm-hmm. Customer success was getting closer to, you know, the 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 more sort of go-to-market operations. And so I think the the philosophy of what if we as a company, even if you didn't structurally organize it that way, looked at the data, the people, the processes and the tech that make up that go-to-market engine and think of them in this new way. And that's, that's where the sort of birthing of revenue ops happened. Mm -hmm. And so at lean data, you know, when we started thinking this way, and again, a lot of it was through conversations with customers that were thinking the same way. It was conversations with, you know, analysts and influencer firms that were starting to think the same way. We actually commissioned a study and we did it at the time with sales hacker, which outreach later merged with them, bought them as a, as a company 
that had just lots of smart operational people on the sales side that were thinking along the same lines. And so we did the first survey, which was called the state of revenue operations. And I think we surveyed, gosh, in the initial study, I think we got 1500 respondents and we were just blown away that all of these like-minded people were thinking about how should we be thinking about combining the processes and thinking around everything that was operations in a company from a data people process technology standpoint and maybe maybe combine it into one. So it's been kind of a passion topic for me for the last several years and I've seen other companies now embrace it and I'm I think those are the companies that are going to grow fast and be very very successful. You know, when I was a gardener, you know the idea that we merge together people process data uh, and the technology is near and dear for everyone. And for the past decade, we've been in an environment where it's been growth and scale, however you possibly can. Yep. We suddenly are in an environment that's going to last for potentially a little bit here where it's no longer growth at any cost in any way. And a lot of what you're referencing is, I, I would suggest it's bloat. Like we added lots of people, we added lots of function because the nirvana of integrating it all makes sense. But suddenly we're in an environment where, well, hold on, how do I actually make this work without adding a bunch of new ops people, without adding all of these layers of technology, without figuring out end-to-end -end automation? Because OpEx is not as important in this cycle as how can I still grow with what I have? You know, what would you say to that? As somebody that's lived around this for years, you've seen multiple economic cycles and suddenly you're, you're, you're in this headwind that we're living right now. RevOps is important, but it's a heavy lift. It's a hard lift for companies to go through. I think Karen is spot on and given her experience, look, I'm a recovered marketer as well. And, you know, I've been on the sales side, the marketing side and the CEO, I'm obviously critically focused on our customers and their success every single day. Right. And at the end of the day, if we think about the bloat, as you called it, uh, building teams that are not directly aligned, not focused on the same metrics, not thinking about first and foremost, our customers, our prospects, making sure that their experience is the experience that matters. And, you know, nothing is more aggravating to a customer than working with a company that doesn't understand them, doesn't understand their needs, may not even understand that they're already a customer of that company. You know, the idea of RevOps to me is it's taking all of these people, processes, data, combining it to provide a better customer experience. And by virtue of doing that, we'll have better sales, we'll have better success, we'll have less friction when somebody gets into support because all of the data is visible to all segments of the go-to-market team. Therefore, we'll keep our customers longer, they'll be happier, and the organization will be more effective. So it's not just bloat for expense purposes. It's literally trying to better align with what our buyers and customers need. 100%, Howard. I think that is so spot on. I mean, how many times have you gotten an email from a vendor, a salesperson at a vendor 
who doesn't even know you're their customer. Oh, it's frustrating. You know, and, and the first thing you think is, how can you not know that I'm already a customer of your yours and using your technology? It's 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 very off-putting. And I think that's a hundred percent right. I mean, fundamentally, I think the go-to-market process and and in many ways, maybe we should be calling this go-to-market operations and and not just revenue, because it's it's not just revenue. It is about the experience. And so, you know, most of the successful brands I've been at that have great go-to-market execution, it's a three-legged stool. It starts with sales, marketing, customer success executives sitting at the same table, agreeing to the priorities, and then looking at the best way to optimize, you know, for success. And oftentimes the problem, candidly, is in the data. And, you know, most companies don't have a 360 degree view of their customers. And that is super problematic. And I think that's one of the opportunities for this concept of revenue ops, which is to try and really get to the heart of understanding the customer's and the prospects such that you can have the right journey to move them along, whether it's a selling cycle or an upselling cycle, but ultimately just a positive experience. And I think that that's, that's what's lacking. And I think that when revenue ops came around as a sort of an idea, it was about breaking down these silos, but many companies to the point about the economic situation that we're in right now, they're not going to hire a bunch of new people. They're not going to break down the silos necessarily. They're not going to restructure for cultural reasons. You know, salespeople, you know, don't want to work in finance and marketing people don't want to work in sales. And so, you know, we have to get to a common ground about how you have a single view of the customer and how go-to-market processes are just more smoothly aligned. Yeah, Karen, I look, you and I have been around... Uh, a while, right? And for me, I've been talking about breaking down silos since 97, 96. Right. So the the concept has been around forever, right? We we need to break down the silos. We need a single view of our customer. And I think we've made a lot of progress and certainly APIs and partnerships have helped, but it's also we have so much data all of us, right? There's single point solutions everywhere that have their own reporting packages, their own data, and then you need data scientists to then work with things like Snowflake to pull all the data together, to normalize it. And then you're asking your marketing people to be analysts and, and data scientists, and you're asking your sales reps to now be data literate. This is complicated. It's one of the reasons that we, not to overemphasize what we do. It's the idea of a platform, right? An end-to-end -end platform. So you have the data, you can use the data in real time. Because without that, you're just running down another data exercise. You're trying to integrate a bunch of tools. We've been integrating tools forever. Yes, we have better integration points, but data has to be available at the time of interaction. Yep. It needs to be available to those go-to-market teams in real time. Without it, all you're doing is creating additional data lakes, additional data silos, and we're all staring at dashboards. And dashboards are great, but they don't really help you with your customers. Couldn't agree more. Sorry, I get a little passionate about this. <laughs> and, and I will add, look, the, the dashboard, let's go real tactical. The dashboard thing is prolific. 
right? Vendors are very big about, I'll give you a dashboard, dashboard, dashboard for different things. The simple reality is that the average person cannot consume more than six items on a dashboard and correlate to their business in any way, shape or form. So, you know, although we all want in-depth analysis, the simple reality is most decisions are made off of six items. And so helping people triangulate a vast set of information coming from very complex processes right down, right? The buyer journeys across all of these departments is a complex thing to do in an enterprise, but getting it down to the, the most fundamental things we make a decision off of is of, of paramount key. What are your six? Or give me a few out of the six. The, you know, so when you think of the six on that, you got to think in terms of really high level in terms of the conversion ratios happening across the customer, right? It's a, it's a big one. You got to be having a, a roll up of the cost effectiveness of my dollars and investments of where they're going across each of those categories. I need to understand what's going on there. I then need to understand activity metrics. Activity, while it can seem like one of those things where people often are um, feeling micromanaged, the reality is activity metrics help us as leading indicators to what's going to happen tomorrow, yep. right? Yep. Those, those are big things. I'm a fan personally of pipeline velocity as well. I don't like backwards looking pipeline. I like activity across pipeline. So when people can see that there's momentum forwards or backwards, that's a highly indicator that you have a healthy pipeline. Therefore, when we get to the forecasting, which Karen, I'm sure you've had to do, Howard, you and I do, at some point you rely upon those numbers, right? So it increases the confidence level. So there's, there's attributes like that, Howard. Those are the things that come in. I think the other big one, maybe inherent in what you just spoke of, is the accountability. Because again, yeah. I, I think none of this matters if you don't have the alignment of all the core go-to-market teams and they all jointly own the accountability. And so what we don't have out there, sadly, are great, you know, dashboards aside, there's not great marketing attribution technology. No. When I was at Lean Data, we did have a tool uh, for marketing attribution. And so what my team, first and foremost, yes, I look at conversion, I look at buyer journey, I look at all that stuff. But the two things, the two big OKRs that I got measured on were pipeline contribution and engagement. Yeah. And then, you know, target account penetration, you know, which it needs to match to your ICP and it needs to match to the target account. You can't do that well without really good marketing attribution. And so we had a, a tool where we looked at all touches from, from the life cycle of a prospect or customer one thing we called marketing generated attribution, which was everything that happened up to a, a point where the opportunity got created. Mm -hmm. I, I could tell you if it was BizDev focused, sales focused, marketing generated. And then once the opportunity was created, we called it marketing accelerated attribution, which is what happens once the opportunity is live and how is it moving forward? You know, what kind of things or as you called them activities are people engaging with what's moving people through the life cycle through the selling process through the funnel and i think that is what the smart revenue ops people deal with all day long is they're trying to figure out even without having you know you can stitch tableau and a bunch of other things together all day long but 
to get that view into the life cycle is just hard to do because the data is usually not, as Howard said, it's usually not all in the same place. Usually I have multiple data warehouses, data lakes, data sources, your CRM data lives in a different place than some of your other data does. And so I think that's, that's the hard, some of the hardest things that probably, you know, our modern revenue ops people deal with today. And they're plagued by requests for answering these questions that are not just sitting in front of them to answer. And it's a it's a tough job and they have to wear a lot of hats. The 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 best revenue ops people I know, many of them, I'm just gonna bias this with a comment that says many of them came out of the marketing operations space, you know, because they understand the Martech universe and they understand data elements and they understand how to stitch that stuff together and all the integrations and APIs that that Howard was speaking of. Many of the savvy ones aren't just looking at you know, sales ops has to also look at a whole bunch of other things like commission payments and, you know, tying into finance and so on. Yeah. The marketing ops people are looking at the journey. They're looking at the customer. They're looking at how do we create that better experience? And so I think many of the people I've seen evolved into those rev ops roles truly do come out of, of marketing ops. And yeah. and that's not a slam at the at the sales ops folks. They're obviously very talented and they have a lot of other skills, but that's, I think, you know, the people that have been on that MarTech data journey really understand it a little bit better. I, I my experience, I'd echo the same, Karen. I, you know, it's because the MarTech stacks are fairly sophisticated by comparison, right? Like the, the volume of data modeling that goes in there is big. The issue I often encounter now with, I'll call RevOps people, and I'm broadly saying in general here, and so no offense to anybody, but there's a lot of over usage of looking at attribution models, but simply saying, oh, we have to build a sequence for an email channel, a chat channel, or this channel, that channel, which in itself isn't inherently bad. We need multi-touch attributions to engage customers. We all know that. But there's been an over pivot to it. There's been an overaxing to this idea that, well, if I just know the first click on an email or when Karen did it, I'm going to send this one, this one, this one, this one. And, and there is not enough reality of, yes, but are we actually engaging with someone in the right way? And, and when you look at it in terms of beyond just, hey, how do I light up a channel? But I think that where you're going, the taking attribution to the next step where we're saying, well, let's look at algorithmic attribution, linear, nonlinear attributions, you know, time decays, position-based, like there's, it gets very sophisticated quickly. And if you don't have a strong marketing background, it's very hard to understand actually how to even build those models in the first place. Right. And so RevOps in its excitement to come to market has focused on volume and channels to connect instead of actually going, well, maybe it's not so much volume and channels as it is supporting somebody in the right stage of their buying journey at the end of the day. Yep. That's that's what we want. Very much agreed. Now, Howard, I know you opened with and Karen, both of you with, you know, this idea of customer experience, the 360 view, all of those things. I know we're going to run up on time, but you know, just to confirm all of that for the audience, when you look at valuation of companies today, 
compared to 30 years ago, 20, and roughly 10 years ago. Non-material assets are now account for nearly 90% of all valuation. That's why digital engagement, software's rise, all of this brand is very important more than ever was before. But, uh, but at the top of the list is the experience of how somebody buys and uses a product drives more for value than any material physical asset people have today in their companies. So as we think about that and with the economy we're in, you really start to go, as you both said, experience and understanding how people are experiencing that is key. And I'd love to give a final thought from Karen and Howard, both of you on, you know, if you were to give a tip, one final tip on how do you make the best customer experience, you know, what would you say to somebody out there that's in RevOps? Yeah, so I'll make one comment. I was very impressed by the Saster conference that actually happened the week before Dreamforce. Um, I didn't go personally. It was in San Mateo here, but uh, they ran a lot of the sessions online. And one of the one of the biggest themes, and I think it's interesting for you know revenue ops and marketers alike to think about, was the the concept of product led growth initiatives like freemiums and trials. And I mean, if you could get somebody to engage at that level, you know, with something on your website that they're downloading, you know, the, I think the opportunity to create a customer for life is just, it's fascinating. I think there was one speaker and I think of the five top sessions at Saster, two of them were on PLG or product-led growth. And one of the speakers referred to it as the consumerization of B2B software. Hmm. And I think having that kind of thinking when you're building strategies, not just about account-based targeting and converting campaigns and, and all the things we talk about all day long, but you know, putting your product out there and giving people access to it and then managing that conversion and that, that journey I think is super interesting. So I think I think revenue ops people need to be thinking about those things because I assure you, you know, marketing teams are starting to to think more about PLG types of strategies right now. Uh, and I agree. I just to add, I think that one of the true realities of PLG is that all software companies have to be thinking about the time to value. The time to value has shrunk. We need to provide value almost immediately to our customers or prospects. That's why PLG is working. Someone uses the tool, they immediately see the value, how it changes their workflow, how it adds benefits to whatever process that they're utilizing the product for. So time to value, no longer can you sell something into a company that takes 90 days, 180 days to implement and see that value. We need to figure out how to deliver value quickly to our customers. I agree. And to tie this back to revenue ops, I do think if you have the right structure around revenue operations, the leader you have in that role is that glue between your sales, marketing, customer success team to be thinking about those strategies, to be providing data that suggests what's working or not working and why deploying those kinds of trials or, or freemiums and, and getting that time to value, as Howard says, I think is just incredibly strategic and important. But 
ops is not just a back office thing. I think revenue ops is one of the most strategic roles in a company today for any fast growth B2B company uh, and beyond. And um, I'm thrilled this topic is getting the airtime it's getting because it's it's been a passion of mine. And I, I have a great community of people I know out there that are doing extraordinary work in this area. And I, I look forward to more of these kinds of stories. Well, Karen Howard, thanks so much. Unfortunately, we're out of time here today, but Karen, hopefully we'll have you back. We can get into certainly product-led growth and PLG. In fact, one of my former colleagues, David Yolkelson, if he's listening in from Gartner, will be jumping up and down. Yes, talk PLG. Yes, yes. <laughs> and absolutely, in terms of the time to value of RevOps and its, its strategic nature, I couldn't agree with you more. Karen, how does how do people connect with you? Just uh how can I get a hold of you if I'm listening? So my website is uh, www.steel-alloy.com. Uh, or you can reach me at Karen at steel-alloy.com. And I'd be happy to take any questions and really, really thank you uh, for this opportunity today. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Karen, so much. And for the rest of our listeners, don't forget two things for you today. We now have our new phone line to leave questions for us, and we will do our best to answer those uh, in future podcasts. You can reach us at 323-540-4777. That's 323-540-4777. And also, we are excited to announce if you go to revenue.io forward slash Forrester Wave, just released this week is the complete executive summary report of this year's sales engagement breakout and all of the companies in that space. So go grab the report and uh, we'll lean into a future conversation around sales engagement, I'm sure as well. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Karen. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me.